Hello and welcome. Welcome back to another episode of Tater Thoughts. And I'm going through my queen deep dives. We are right in the middle of our journey through Queen's ninth album, Flash Gordon. And today I am going to be closing out the first side of this album. I decided to go through these songs in chunks, do some of them together for the sake of the story, for maintaining that momentum. Because many of these tracks, songs, they're brief themes. They're not very long. And keeping some of them in the same episode, I think is important because we have this rapid succession of events, things happening. And today, we're going to be talking about three different numbers by three different members of Queen. It just so happened that way. This is very exciting. These dives are numbers 96, 97, and 98. And the tracks are 6, 7, and 8 on the album. I still am very surprised as I go through this and listen to these songs alone. Because again, I've watched the film and that was the first time I experienced the songs in any way for the most part, save maybe Flash's theme, which of course I think all of us have heard in some fashion previously, whether it was a brief moment of just that chorus or some other theme from Flash's theme, we're familiar with it. But going through these songs individually, listening to them without the context of the film in front of me, without the camp, without the bright colors, without that sometimes silly dialogue. Remember, we talked about the dialogue and how it was rewritten a number of times because they couldn't decide, is this serious? Is this funny? What we end up with is a little bit of both. But listening to these songs alone there's an entirely different atmosphere here. It's very vibrant, evocative, emotional, dark in some moments, much more so than it sounded while I was watching the film. Every time I listen to a piece from this, I think to myself, this is a lot darker and deeper than it felt originally. And that surprises me in some ways. We do know the guys are incredibly capable of expressing an awful lot whenever they write and perform a song. And of course, this is still such a different take coming from them. This is the one time we get this kind of atmosphere from Queen. This is the one time they go this experimental in this way, this kind of minimal, synthesized, heavily experimental vibe with all of this dialogue and these sound effects. There's a sparse arrangement to many of these songs that creates that open, boundless, otherworldly atmosphere that we hear so much in these numbers. And the first song we're going to talk about today is actually a reprise. It is In the Death Cell, love theme. Once again, we have heard this earlier in the album, in the soundtrack, and this was maybe my favorite moment so far as I was going through these songs, or one of my favorite moments, partially because I almost cannot believe that we're getting this from Raj. I almost can't. But when you think about his preferences for songs, especially later in his years, I've read a number of lists in which he went through songs that he enjoyed. One of them was the love theme 
from Blade Runner. Some similarities there, some parallels, and no surprise. So obviously he has an appreciation for that kind of brooding, really soaring sound, even quite synthesized, which is, again, interesting because even as we're going to see and hear going through Queen's next album, Roger was not, at least in some ways, not initially a huge fan of synthesized sounds. So it's, it's just interesting to see his evolution as an artist, what he likes, what he likes to work with, etc. But this is in the death cell, love theme, reprise. We have heard this already, and this is a much more emotional take on that same theme that I enjoyed so much. This is experimental new age synth. 79 beats per minute. We are in 4-4 time signature with triplet beats, and we're in the key of D major. All nostalgic reflections of love and loss, for now, anyway. This is an intensified, heartbreaking revisit to our gorgeous love theme from earlier in the album. Roger's genius, if I may say so, epic movement. The same inspiring and warm chords shift into a slow march of death, creating a colder, diminishing hope. The chosen cuts of dialogue do a great job summarizing what we're feeling. And perhaps even if you haven't seen the film, what you're seeing in your mind. Brian was the one who said they went out of their way to ensure that you could listen to this without seeing the film and have a very good idea what was going on, or at the very least, those dialogue bits could guide you along with the music and a story all your own. And I think this song does a wonderful job doing that. The chosen pieces spoken are wonderfully placed. A few songs ago, we had that epic atmospheric love theme, and its reprise is just as warm brooding, but it's sadder. It's more intense. This line of dialogue, we're not here. This is just a bad dream. Echoes of connection and love are scattered through this gorgeous transition of chords and emotions. I love how it pulls and tugs on what was laid as that melodic foundation songs prior. It swells and it grows around us, consuming us. I still can't believe, I almost can't believe our rock and roll drummer, the same man who did Tenement Funster, I'm in Love With My Car, is giving us this. The beauty sinks into a drumbeat, a countdown to the end. It's quite intense on its own. And again, I feel this more than I do watching the film, just listening to it. The awful, evil ruler Ming calls Dale's, right, our lovely heroine, Dale's tears he calls them weakness as Flash is led to his death. Ming, an awful, awful man. This is far more serious, sounds, feels, far more serious and heartaching when you listen to this alone. The synths grow once again as we approach the end. And that takes us right into the next track. Execution of Flash, dive number 97, track seven, and written by Mr. John Deacon, our favorite disco deaky. This is the first time we've heard him. 
contribute to the soundtrack for Flash Gordon. This is new age synth. It's quite minimal. Once again, 125 beats per minute. Time signature of 4-4 in the keys of A major and D minor. Surprising because this is such a brief number on its own. This is the end, the execution of Flash, or so it seems. John's first appearance, a gorgeously reflective one, very haunting, simple performance of guitar, lush echoes of chords and bells and orchestral arrangements. John creates a mood of darkness and loss. And just a touch of soul, if I may say so, this man is always bringing soulful, melodic pop elements to what he does. It's just in his blood, I think. It's in his innate talent. This is what he brings to the table, and he does it here. Soulful, brooding, a lot of brooding happening, especially because of this particular moment in the film. Seeking guitar. John, nicely done, those bent notes, adds so much to this performance. These notes, their transition, melancholy, full of regret, the sweeping low tones of echoing chords, the low tolling bells and reverbed atmospheres. The arpeggio suddenly shifts as the bell tolls and the orchestra, rich with loss, broods in those deep, lush chords. It's a simple piece from our favorite disco deke, our favorite bassist. My memory of this while watching the film is fuzzy. And as with other pieces on this soundtrack, it sounds richer, deeper, more serious and heavy than the film portrays in its very bright colors and campy tone. This is experimental, it's minimal, absolutely, but effective and emotional and quite surprising coming from John as well because we're used to getting these little bops from him. Misfire, you're my best friend. He brings a lot of bop, doesn't he? He likes to move on the stage and I think that translates to how he writes. But here... It's quite reserved, but perhaps that's a reflection of who he actually is. If you're familiar at all with Mr. John Deacon, then you know that he has very little to say most of the time. He keeps to himself. He's a little bit quieter than the rest of the guys, but he does have his moments of wit and charm. I've seen that many times in various interviews. And of course, that charisma on stage when he's playing. It's a natural thing. He stands up there, he bops along, literally, Disco Diki. Brings a lot of uniqueness to this little number that sits perfectly between the first dive of today and the third, which I'm about to go into right now. Ladies and gents, this is our third dive today. Dive number 98, track eight, and a song written by Freddie. And Howard Blake, I talked about Howard Blake, the composer who contributed a lot of material to the Flash Gordon soundtrack that ultimately got scrapped, but several numbers survived with his collaboration, including this one. And of course, there is another song which Brian collaborated with Howard on, and we'll talk about that much later as we get through the soundtrack. But right now, it's all Freddie and Howard together. This is classical new age. The first time we've heard something like this on the album, it opens much more experimental, but shifts into something that we're, I think, more familiar with when it comes to a soundtrack piece. And we'll go into the details here in just a minute. This is at 91 beats per minute, 4-4 time. 
and the key of A minor. And what? Surprise? Ooh, ah. Guess what? The kiss. This is the kiss aura resurrects flash. And of course, the title says it all. We are ultimately surprised when Aura, the beautiful Aura, comes in and resurrects Flash from his death. And there is a wonderful clash in this tune when that actually happens. This is a truly orchestral classical piece, remarkably realized, I think, from both Freddie and Howard. Strings, harp. One of my favorite things to hear in a song, brass in a flurry and a moment of tension. This is far more grand. And for the first time on the soundtrack, we get something that sounds, yes, like a memorable emotional melody, something that we would expect from a full orchestral soundtrack, from these epic big pieces like Star Wars soundtracks and such. This is much more in line with that thanks to Howard Blake's contribution. But of course, this opens with what is surely Freddie's doing. Vocals, <gasps> synthesized? I think so. I think all of these vocals are synthesized. There are harmonies of them, beautifully done, quite the classy, passionate number, thanks to Howard Blake's infusion of orchestral genius. But this is all Freddie here. They, together, Freddie and Howard, create this otherworldly, mysterious aura. Oh, literally, aura must be on the brain. Character aura. The vocals swell, building into a layered orchestral piece with strings and brass and this deep intensity that I've been saying this word a lot, but it's very brooding. Harmonic minor in a few moments here. This is a pretty epic spellbinding piece. Heavily reverbed synths, a lot like a glass harmonica, kind of ebbs and flows, fades in and out, almost a flanger effect. The vocals are another facet of expression that aches and pleads. There's tension, rich melody, and surprising shifts in mood and rhythm that create more dimension, sparkles, harp, but it's very rich in there. It's not jumping out at you. The harp is incredibly layered in a way that it just adds that element of sparkle. This is lovely, though a little bit of criticism here for the very end. I could do without the last little synthesized vocal there. And if you listen to it, I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. This would have worked better if they had just let the strings fade out. But I think because I have to guess that Freddie was contributing Again, that first portion of this song and probably those synthesized vocals. And that was his little tack on the end of it, was adding that little vocal line at the end. But I still think, even though it's Freddie's contribution, most likely, that this would have been better without it. I'm just saying. Because when I heard it, it kind of took me out of it. And I thought... Aside from adding that element of Freddie back in, I think what they were trying to do was tie the piece together because it does shift from something more synthesized and ethereal to something that's much more classically orchestral. But it wasn't necessary. I think the piece works well anyway. You don't necessarily need that moment where that vocal comes back in. That is my only criticism of that particular piece, that last dive. And ladies and gents, we've just gone through three numbers off of Queen's ninth album, Flash. 
Gordon. This is an interesting experience. I think I said that last time too. And it really opens my eyes and my ears to the depth, the diversity of what these guys do, how they do it, just how incredibly talented they are and what they brought to the film doing this. You could argue that this is their worst album. I've seen many people say that, and I think they say it because it is a standalone. It's definitely not a classic conventional album by any means. And I think it was a mistake for the guys to market it that way. It should have always been said that it was a soundtrack album. And I think maybe it would have stood even better. But see, I've always put this album at the very, very bottom of my list. And I got to say, I'm surprised enough that that might actually change by the time I get to the end of this, because I'm thinking about it from a purely talent standpoint and what the guys are doing here and how they're capturing these emotions and how they're able to visualize through what they are playing for us to hear. They've done a wonderful job expressing those moments of excitement and tension and silliness and drama. And they all do it in their own unique way. And they're all very good at it in their own unique way. And so it was fun today to go through not just one track, but three, and for every single one of those to be done by a different man in the band. That was just a happy coincidence, and it's quite interesting to hear the difference between these numbers, because we have Roger's very epic, sweeping, cinematic in the death cell love theme reprise, and then we have the execution of Flash, which is very minimal and spooky in its own way, with that little bit of soul from John, and then we have the kiss, Aura resurrects Flash, which is somehow more theatrical and more dramatic coming from Freddie, of course, and Mr. Howard Blake. But that is all for today, ladies and gents. That is dives number 96, 97, 98. We are about ready to cross the triple digit line. I'm very excited. I'm I'm looking at that track right now and what it is. (laughs) We'll go through it. We'll have some fun. But anyway, guys, keep yourselves alive. I'm excited you're still listening with me. We just closed outside one of Queen's ninth album, Flash Gordon. I'll be back next time. In the meantime, you guys know it. Have a great one. Smile, look up, stay happy, stay healthy, and all that jazz. I'll be back again.